Alright, this is Dungeon Master Eddie, here for episode 13, So You Want to Be a Wizard. It's continuing on the So You Want to Be set to look at um, the archetype of wizard, uh, what it is, how it's how it's being played across uh, primarily 3.5 and 5th and edition, uh, um, and then a lot of what will be said can be applied well beyond that. Uh, with me again is Jeff. We're going to continue on, uh, and we're going to do most of the classes over the course of the uh, so You Want to Be series, where we're talking about the the main hitters found in the players' handbooks across nearly every edition. So, welcome back, Jeff. Thank you. <clears throat> All right, so, Wizards. All right, and this this kind of goes against the, yes, the the four-player archetype. The as, uh, as it was in second edition, the FMCT, Fighter Mage, Cleric, Thief. Uh, our, our, our series 12, 13, and so on, the first ones we're going to hit are those archetypes, the fighter, wizard, cleric, and rogue. So Thanks, I hate it. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, Ironically, though, whether or not you call it a wizard or you do it with a sorcerer, I think Arcane Caster is the only one you should not be without. <laughs> yes, as we've as we've consistently learned in, in many cases, sometimes it's better to have one of these than a cleric. Um, yeah, because you can like there's things you can do with potions to, to to not be a cleric, but you can't really not potion it and be a wizard or try to potion it to be a wizard. Right. Now the the the, the obvious secret to anybody who sees me as a player. Wizards are my favorite class, and I'm I'm spoiled like my dwarven wizards, right? I've taken oh survivability is key when you're a wizard. It pains me that <laughs> when you know when you look at the most common race for fighters, it's humans, just because humans are broken. When it yep. comes to wizards, mm -hmm. the most common is elves, which is fine in fifth edition because there's no penalties, but. You know, when you're making fun of the fighter classes because they have poor will saves, the horrible fortitude save that you get, and when you're an elf, you had a penalty to your constitution. Yep. So oh. the combination of the, the penalty to the fortitude save, but also... The hit points. Your, your aluminum oh. foil. Right, my... The very first Dwarven Wizard I played was a character named Torrent. Because he was, a, he would have gone to be an evoker, and he would just rain down a torrent of just blah right all over you. Uh, and he, when I built him in three five, I didn't put his eighteen in intelligence. I put it in constitution because that bumped it to a twenty, and that gave me nine hit points instead of eight. And more than once at first level, I was crit by a goblin with a hand axe, so that six becomes eighteen. But I'm not dead yet because I'm at negative nine. Exactly. Happened like two or three times. And even the DM, who's not trying to kill me, is like, how are you still alive? It's like, made a dwarf, baby. The dwarven wizards are the best. And, I mean, even if you roll crappy from there, it's like you're getting a... Instead of every other wizard hoping to get six hit points... You get a minimum mm -hmm. of six hit points. That's right. Every <laughs> <laughs> and that fortitude save is also appropriately oh, jacked as well. Oh, wonderful. And just, I mean, most fortitude saves are poison-based. And as a, you're already getting the bonus as a dwarf there, you know. I, I absolutely <laughs> love playing both of my dwarfs because there was a, you know, with, with them as wizards, there was a lot of of flavor as wizards. We, we talked about fighters being, you know, the combat-oriented Swiss Army knives. And wizards are... The spell casting Swiss Army knives. Like they, there is a spell for everything, and the fact that they can, there's, it's easier for them to learn spells than just about anybody else exactly. right, on the arcane side. So they get the library. They they got to find it. They got to focus on what they research. Um, to to pick, for me, it was always picking things that aren't going to be commonly found as scrolls, right? The things that. As a specialist, I always get that third one where, all right, I get my evocation spell with Torrent or my, my other Dwarven Archmage, Beef, where it's like, all right, I, I pick a Conjuration spell that's going to be appropriate for my goals. And then the other two are, I get to pick just about anything that would be juicy. This is the one situation where I will agree with choosing an elf for a wizard, though, is uh, 
Elven wizards have the opportunity to get generalist wizard, which is the same benefit of extra spells as taking uh, a specialization without having to give up a single school. This is this is true. <laughs> uh, there, there was a definite advantage to that. So thinking, let, let's start with the wizard. What is the core role of a wizard? Like we, when we think wizard bolts, it's, I cast magic missile at the darkness, right? I, I you cast, cast fireball, fire, yeah, or you cast fireball. Like these, uh, a lot of people like to think that these are the cores of the wizard. That's just again the core of the arcane. When I think the core of the wizard, it is the the rogue couldn't do it. I got a spell for it. That's right. The fighter couldn't do it. I got a spell for it. It doesn't matter if this is in combat or out of combat. You yep. know? I can. Oh, look, we got the big guy attacking. I rave enfeeblement and bring his strength down. Right. I can't pick the lock. I cast knock. So, right. I have detect spells from divination. Right. I have a chance to. I can locate objects. I can use different spells to move things around. Um, I have spells that will augment stats of various players to be able to to help with skills or combat or whatnot. So when, when you look at it, what do I think the actual archetype of a wizard is? I still think Gandalf. I still think Dumbledore. It's the old bearded dude yep. in some robes, <laughs> whether or not they have a hat. That That is the archetype of the wizard. I don't ever play that archetype of the wizard, <laughs> but that is the archetype of the wizard. It is an appearance... Not a spell list. I, I, yeah, I think my, my dwarves... Well, Beef was like that. Torrent was walking around in only boots for mo- most of his lower levels. When I say only boots, I mean literally only boots. Um, for, for various weird story-based reasons, of all things. And you had that mohawk instead of... The, the, like... twin, the twin fiery mohawks, yes. With the, with the braided orange beard. I have a, Somebody painted a miniature of him for me. I've got it around here somewhere. Oh, God, I miss my torrent. And he built the he built the tower. He built that goofy, poorly architected tower because only a wizard could make it structurally sound. That that is another thing that is a great archetype of wizards. These are people that want like they'll muscle through everything they have to, but they eventually want to retire in peace away from everybody. And make a tower. <laughs> make a, we're going to build that tower one way or another because that's what those transmutation spells are for, ladies and gentlemen. In the long run, right? So I think I think of low level wizards, right? We've you've got the hit point concerns, which they've alleviated a little bit in Fifth Edition, where you either get the, either you roll in a D six instead of a D four, and the you can choose to just take that. Like four instead of six. You just don't roll. Just get yeah, four hit points. Yeah, you can always take the medium. That that is a help. Um, the D sixes, at least, that was a that actually started in Pathfinder. So it's technically three five, but uh, the one time I tried playing a Pathfinder class in D anD D, we looked at it and said, "Well, you got to have the same hit die." So we rolled it back to the D fours again, but still. The aluminum foil yeah. scenario. I find as a DM, if somebody's going to play a wizard, with, with the exception of that, that first 1 to 20 campaign, where, God bless it, Drew played the wizard. Now, I don't know, if, I can't remember if he made it to level 2 or level 3, but it, once oh. again, a huge tactical blooper where, oh, look, not only does the orc with the big axe hit you, but he crit. You know, Hassan That is Chuck. another stereotype of wizards. Yes. If you either live. Long enough to become the Archmage, or you die by session three. Yes, there, there, there is the the assumption that if you if you look at and there's brought up a lot in second edition and third edition, the idea of, of the kind of inverted exponential curve. Like if you have a million players or a million characters starting out at level one, uh, even if you count the NPCs mathematically based on the dangers that are out there, out of that million, a hundred thousand are going to make it to level two. And then out of that, 10,000 will make it to level 3. You know, and it keeps... Uh, it, like, there's an exponential drop where it's, it, it's more logarithmic for all of you you math geeks out there. But the idea that there is going to be this, this drop-off that uh, there's going to be fewer and fewer and fewer to such a dramatic degree uh, for any of the classes because of the dangers they face. And I would challenge, if you're a wizard, that drop-off happens a lot quicker. 
I like this analogy where all of these D&D classes are secretly sea turtles trying to make it to the ocean. <laughs> Basically, that's what it is. I mean, because you, you know, wow. That these are tadpoles one... trying to turn into frogs. That, oh, you ain't making it. You ain't making it, right? If you're, like, the comparison is like, for, look, that the guy running the bar. It's the fourth level fighter who decided it was just too much. He's got his money. He's going to retire, open his bar, and live quietly. Oh, yeah. Because he can still do more damage than most of the people in the locale. And I think... I think even without, I I don't know if this was a conscious decision by them, but I think if you look at NPC classes, like if you look through what they have for suggested, hey, you can play this in your thing, a lot of the higher CR ones are wizard-ish or arcane-based because if you make it, you make it. Oh, yeah. Whereas, you know... The fighters, yeah, they usually, uh, NPC-wise, will peter out at, you know, six-ish. Yeah. Because <laughs> at some point, if you're not an adventurer, you're not out there doing whatever, but the the wizard goes on to be the advisor, the grand vizier, does all of these things so that, you know, of the few who make it out of school... Or become absolutely insane and speak to God knows what and learn extra magic through, you know, a portal in their basement... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you think of nearly any of the book series they write, you're going to have all these higher level fighter guys, but there's always like one or two wizards, yeah. right? They, these are the people who are just above everything else, and even then, there's always going to be one that's just well above, you know, the, all the all the contemporaries. So from that from that standpoint, I've always, with the exception of that first one, I've always tried to start any campaign where somebody's playing a wizard at least at level two, right? The idea being. I'm going to give you two sets of hit dice because I want to take the one crit kill off the table. Yeah. Right? The goal, especially from a DM standpoint, because I'm one of those DMs who roll in the open. Um, and, you know, it's there, there are times where, you know, that 20 comes up and you just feel terrible because you know you're confirming against a wizard. Yeah. Right? This is where we pray a bad dice things happen, but you're this guy charging with the axe has strength and does whatever, he is connecting, right? And so if he hits, if he crit, if he's going to crit, he's going to confirm. Uh, so the goal was to get that out of the way to make sure that players playing those wizards could get up to, um, to at, like, at least third level, where you start to, with second level spells, really find your bearing. Because now you, the jump in what the spells do from first to second might be, at least in 3.5, I would consider the biggest power jump of the spells. And and here's my logic. I mean, I definitely understand it, but keep going. Burning hands, right? D4, at, at, at second level, you're throwing 3D4 in a, in a small area. Second level spell, Scorching Ray, you're throwing 4D6 at a target at a ranged touch. Yeah. Right? You're This is arguably more damage than anybody else is doing in one shot at this point. Right, you've gone from something small to something big. Your support spells, like at you know, at first level, your your mage armor and your sh- like mage armor can go on anybody else, but everybody else has armor. Your shield is really only for you. Uh, but when you get into second level, it's like, all right, I can bump stats by a bunch with like the eagle splendor, fox's cunning, things like that. Where now you're really augmenting what the rest of the team can do. Like you're slowly working past. Uh, you know, you you had like protection from the protection spells at first level. Um, you're starting to get durations. You're now starting to be able to add in mean, three five at least some of the meta magic feats. Yep. Your options start to get a lot bigger. Where you now you understand what your character does, uh, and you you now have enough experience points where you can scribe a couple of scrolls so that you always have something in the back. Yes, there's always something there in case you need it. So that jump for me is more dramatic than anything else making it from from like a first level to a third level. I My only other at least spell level jump, I don't think actual like anything else about uh, the jump in the level of the character. But I think from only having access to fourth level spells to getting those fifth level spells is a about is equal on a spell level jump or a spell power jump. 
you know, it it does. There's a, a big strength bump, I should say, a a big uh, capability jump. It's more accurate going from four, fourth level spells to fifth level spells because that's when you hit the permanent type things. You know, I'm not charming the guy. I'm dominating the guy. I'm not. You know. Yes, your your durations get a lot stronger all of a sudden. And and even support wise, it's like that's when you get break enchantment. And that is probably the best support spell for yeah. a wizard, like as in like helping yeah. somebody else on your team. No no fighter, come on back. Yeah. Come on, you're you're with us here, buddy. You're you're over here. Or um think Banishment is around. Banishment might be 4th. I think 4th has a lot of utility stuff and so maybe that's why I think the jump is there because it's like 3rd is your here's all the flashy damage spells. 4th is a lot of yeah there's some okay ones and then maybe that's why I think the jump is bigger. Well you get get a lot of of things that break away from the norm like Cone of Cold in 3.5 is 5th. You get Cloud Kill at 5th. You start to get some of these spells that um, juice up a little bit more where now you're throwing like higher damage dice. Not not quantity, but the sixes become D8s and, and things like that that bring bring your averages up. Exactly. Um, now, when, when I think about playing a wizard, one of the questions that always comes up early, uh, to specialize or not to specialize? Right. It, and if you are not an elf where you can take the generalist, always specialize. Always specialize? I am of the notion that you should always specialize just because the extra amount of spells is always going to be more relevant. I've when I've looked at it in my experience and this has been true for specialists since first edition. Right? If you're not playing an evil character, you dump necromancy. Right? <laughs> that that has that has the overwhelming majority of the time that's the way people have gone. The- only reason I would say no is in an E6 setting. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, to an E6 is your your characters never go beyond 6. It's the idea that dragons do remain scary and you don't just show up with a monk who with stunning fist, touch of death, mollywops him on turn 1. Uh, and in that is because Disrupt Undead, a cantrip that does a D6, is in the necromancy school. And undead are scary, and a D6 cantrip (laughs) is really powerful. These these, these little things can make a difference. You don't need to take a (laughs) single... Well, I mean, the survivability of like vampiric touch is also pretty good um, if you're not an evil character. But again, this is just in the E6 setting. If you're not evil, yeah, necromancy is a very easy dump. And... uh, Those bastards, those absolute bastards, you can't give up divination. (laughs) Actually, it's fine. I actually love a lot of the divination spells. But it also then comes down to your choice of do you give up the evocation or do you give up the illusion? That I think that's where a lot of the the, the tastes and flavors come in. I, I think of our buddy Pond, who in that one campaign ran his Gnomish Illusionist because it, the, the juice that they got, especially in 2nd edition 3.5 and whatnot. And using the shadow magic, so his illusions did real damage anyway, so he yeah. didn't need evocation. If he wanted to go for raw damage, he had it by making an illusion of it. Shadow evocation. Yeah. I, when I when I think of those a lot, and this is where part of why it's intimidating to new players, uh, and part of why even some some uh, I would say if we're going to break it down to a be- beginner amateur pro, even some of the uh, amateur level players from an experience standpoint might even shy away from wizards, where a, a sorcerer is much easier because your spell list is so limited. Right. Yeah, because your spell list is get to fireball, mm-hmm. and then everything that does the same thing as fireball, but a different element. Type. Yeah, <laughs> Span, yeah, expand fireball. Right. Um, with wizard, there's so much you can do, and a lot of that power comes from 
doing more than just I'm the magic missile guy or I'm the fireball guy. Exactly. Right. It's a, like the divination that we, we joke, they, they don't let you dump divination, um, gets you to be a very smart wizard. So we think about you know the eagle eye, the clairaudience, clairvoyance, where you know the cleric will cast a spell that, oh deity, is this going to go well? And then you you know of, of those spells you you get to shake the magic eight ball like outlook does not look good. Right? right. Whereas if I'm a wizard, it's like you know what? Let's go take a peek around the corner, right? Without actually sticking our head around the corner. Let's hear what's going on in that room. Let's, in essence, they are a giant information brokers where they're going to be able to do on-the-spot research to potentially put the party in a better position to to plan out and engage so you're not simply kicking in the door and fighter charges, rogue sneaks to flank, uh, the cleric buffs, and then the wizard's just whipping fireballs, magic missiles, and lightning bolts, where you can be very, very clever. Right? I think of, in this standpoint, and I think of Scry. I think of our SEAL Team 6 moment where Scry, the, the, the villain's... Uh, uh, cohort, and we could see a layout, and it gave us time that we're all seeing this, and we can plan. Like if we come in like this, you know, even counting for the surprise, we have a way to address this thing so quickly with with shock and awe. Right? Dare I dare I say the the rapid dominance uh, military idea that we can come through and take out a tactically larger force and do so in, in such a way that it's it's over in less than a minute. We had, I think it was three rounds for us to clean up in that first SEAL Team 6 against Tom. It, it was, was three rounds because that one guy got out the door and started right, running. Right. Like I said, it was three rounds to clean up. Yes. We had it done in the first round. Then it was, now we got to silence the bystanders. That's right. <laughs> which took two more rounds. We had the surprise round, we had the and then we got we went first with initiative in that first round. We had we had the bad guy and the cohort down in the first round. Yep, just gone and then all because we got to plan. So I mean there's divination has power if you if you understand which is why I would never actually give it up even if I could. Oh, yeah, and too much juice. And I feel that it's actually better that they say you can't because I uh, this allows people that don't know better when they're trying their first wizard and they want to specialize. It's like, you can't give it up. You should at least think about it. Well, maybe there's a reason I can't give it up. Yeah. Maybe there's a reason I shouldn't give it up. Well, I mean, and even, that's because it's powerful. God, even, even if you go back to first level, something as simple as true strike, right? I'm going to make sure my next attack hits, which, which can be unbelievably powerful because it's like I'm leaving one range touch or I'm, I have to melee attack somebody as a wizard which it sounds scary in and of itself but it's like alright I'm going to make sure that attack hits right and, and that's going to do a, a number of things and you know that's a divination spell yeah right um, When I, if we're going around the wheel then let's talk about enchantment right enchantment is probably the second most broken um and I only put this behind Illusion, but that's because Illusion is the Swiss Army knife of spell schools. This is true. Uh, enchantment is the second most broken just because being able to... It's not just about the information you're able to learn. It's about the information you force the enemy to learn. Like, you... Whereas... Uh, Divination is putting on the glasses and seeing through the uh, the smear campaigns yep. and re seeing all the obey signs. Enchantment is making all, all the obey the signs. <laughs> <laughs> this is you making friends with the cohort to allow them or to allow the person divining to get the information. This is you getting the powerful and you know the. Powerful, not necessarily enemies yet, but other people of money or stature within the country to suddenly not like the big bad that is only secretly a big bad. Suddenly, they're known about, and you have an entire country on your side. Yep. Whereas before, it was just you guys trying to take on a, a gang leader who happened to be 
Yeah, important, you know. And it goes beyond the idea of I dominate you or I charm you. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's these the, are the, the powerful influences. spells for it, but it's... The nudges. Exactly. Right? The little bit of nudges to, to slowly sway um, either either targets or groups to get them to, to want to aid you or even augment how much they're going to aid you if they're already friendly. Um, things like that where it's like, all right, we can... We're going to shift opinion, or we're going to make things amenable to get advantage somehow. Uh, and even then, as you start to get into the later spells, where we're talking dominate and charm monster and whatnot, where these things last for days, weeks, weeks at a time, it's like, all right, um, these have that great juice because you can do this, and then you don't have to concentrate on them. No, yeah, right, which is the other big thing. Like if I'm, as we get to the other schools, there's like this thing can keep going on if I concentrate. It's like, all right, I do this. And yeah, you might you're going to get a saving throw at the end of every day or whatnot. But I, in theory, this is this is the Ron Popeil set it and forget it of spells because I have this ongoing duration that these durations get so big as you get up in the level and have such a large effect, and you don't need to focus on them, right? You you just you're literally just sending the pebble into the water to to let it go to where it needs to. And then you also have mind reading, which is kind of the same. You can accomplish very similar things to what we were talking about with divination. Yep. Uh, because you can just set it and just get surface thoughts of X amount of people as you're walking and just be like, oh, okay. And then when you hear something interesting, concentrate then. Yep. And you're like, okay, let's dig as deep as we can. All right. Yeah, the, the enchantment stuff, like being able to paralyze people with the later words... Or later levels like power blind, power Old person is enchantment, isn't it? Yes, it is. Old person yeah. is enchantment. Yeah, I mean, so even much CC that you can just randomly have access to. Even my my conjurer who did not give up enchantment led to that great power blind moment to lock out the archmage, the drow archmage. And I think, uh, even though it's not on the wizard class, but as as a school in general, if you can find some way to have access to the school. You know, with through prestige fests, have access to the school, whether or not it's actually on the arcane slash wizard spell list. I believe command is also enchantment. I would, I would expect so. I absolutely would expect so. All right. The so the next school we have is probably the one that most people equate with wizards. It's evocation. Oh yeah, you make, that's your you big make kaboom. It go boom. We make it. We make it go boom. I don't care how you make it go boom, but you make it go boom. This is. Again, I I said it's one that is probably easy to give up, but this is more out of my I've played enough and being the guy that makes everything go boom can get tiring. I'm not saying it's a bad school. All I'm saying is that if that's the only answer to something, you, you're not diversifying. You know, like yeah. it's... It's powerful because it is raw damage, and that's the only way you are going to match a rogue for raw damage. Well, more than raw damage, most of your AOE, area of effect, comes from evocation, right? Your lightning bolt line. Your, yeah. uh, if you look at a lot of what you can do with Conjuration, which is which is one of my favorites, like Conjuration is one or two really good AOE spells, but a lot of it is, all right, I'm going to blast that guy for a whole bunch. Right? I mean, we'll get to Conjuration, yeah. but with, with evocation... Um, traditionally, it's thought that you know if you're if you're an evoker, you can give up conjuration. If you're a conjurer, you can give up evocation. Um, I would never give up conjuration. I got I lo- beef loves it too much. I, I don't. Too much. I, I mean, it's not even a four damage. Look at it. I will never give up conjuration because of the. Uh, you don't have to roll for spell resistance. Yes. <laughs> there's there is the there's also and we'll get back to this that no cooks were consulted with conjuration and yeah. we'll explain that when we get there. Uh, but with evocation, I mean, you look at the, the stereotypical. I can do a bunch of damage. I can do it over a great area. It's where I can, uh, you know, you have the like the walls of force and you know, the force based stuff is also going to come down to uh, evocation, like your big beast hands, your chain lightnings. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Weirdly enough, one of the spells that I, I like was really big in second edition. Three five, it it should have gotten more love. Was contingency, right? Where it's all right, something happens and then this trigger goes off. You're basically, in, in essence, evoking a response when something happens. I thought 
In three five, they made it universal. No, it's it is um, evocation. Oh, okay. It is strangely enough, and that you know that that does throw me a little bit that uh, contingency was evocation because it's six level in in three five six level. I'm, I imagine as time went on, people were like that should that should be a universal. Yeah, it, it should kind be of makes universal. Sense. Why? Because well, I want to have a contingency to. Uh, do the dominate <laughs> exactly right to, to be able to do these crazy things but, uh, and as you get and as you get up in levels like the the power of the evocation stuff just gets bigger and, and, and bigger so I think another a, a good case of why evocation is so good besides the AOEs besides just the raw damage it is the Swiss Army knife of damage type this is true. it is how if you give up evocation you have a hard time of getting over. Uh, resistances. This is true. You know, because I don't have, or, you know, all I have is fireball, or I don't have even access to fireball. It's like, well, now I can't take down the thing that it either has uh, uh, vulnerability to fire, and or it has resistance, and I only took, you know, normal mm-hmm. people, I can only counter the fire. It's like, well, now you need to find cold damage, and it's like, if you're an invoker, you're probably taking every damage type that you oh, can. Absolutely, um, and which is it's where one of the few places where a wizard trumps the sorcerer uh, in in damage dealing because you you have the space to take all these different things. Where if you're a sorcerer, you're picking one or two, right? Because if you try to just load up on all your elemental stuff, you're giving up so much other stuff you can do. Right? Yeah. Um, so like evocation, my first wizard torrent was an evoker, and he he did like he he built a tower. He did crazy stuff and. You know, I think he, I can't, I think he either got one level of Archmage or he didn't before, God damn it, Drew, right, the, the part he got, in essence, um, it was the end of the campaign because we 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 listened to an overconfident moron and followed him directly into um, destruction. And even then, I died because I saved his life. Yeah. And Torrent still regrets that. My carpet is the one that got him out of there. I had a flying carpet because, you know, 20 feet no matter what is a lot better when it's 50 feet no matter what. Um, so I, I think of that and I still I still look back with great, great love on, on what I accomplished with Torrent, who was also the, the item maker. Oh, good times. Now I think I think we've talked about illusionary as we've we've weaved in and out. Yeah, we've just, I mean that is the just you can make things happen. I mean, it, it's very like enchantment where you can make people believe stuff, but only through their senses. You're not directly toiling with the brain. Um, well, this is true. You're letting, that, you're letting their own brain toy with itself. Exactly. Which can be more powerful depending on the DM. I mean, the, the idea of you're charging the bad guy, but there's the illusion spell over the pit. You just, aye, right down the, right down the bit. Um, but also, yeah... It, being able to cover the evocation with doing the shadow magic stuff, or, you know, sometimes all you need to do is wrangle in the bard, and so you have him going after an illusion of a barmaid that you made, and you'll yep. think he got some, <laughs> but you made sure nobody had to deal with anything. You, can, you know? You can really spice up what what people do. You can or... spice up the role play. That's right. It's really good with that, and and half the time, you do better for the party when you're when you're doing the R O L E play uh, than just you know rolling for initiative. I mean, the the the, the disguising, the auras, um, you know, the images, the, the the sound, the things you can do that are uh, almost like like hints of Obi Wan Kenobi in there. Right? I think I think dancing lights is illusion versus light itself being. Like conjuration or evocation or something. Light, they finally made universal in, oh, in three five. That's uh, fantastic. Which it took them a while, but yeah. I think dancing lights is illusion, and uh, dancing lights is one of those like. If Ooh, we're talking dancing lights is evocation in three five. Really? Yes, it is. Ghost sound is the oh, like okay. the uh, the whole little bit there. Wow, even light is evocation in three five. Well, I'm I'm having a. I'm evoking I, light. That's right, I'm evoking light. I'm having an Alzheimer's moment here, and I'm not. Old enough for Alzheimer's. But I... Dancing Lights. I mean, so now that I know it's on evocation, Dancing Lights is one of my very favorite, especially early level sort of things. Not as a player, but as a DM. You know, when you have this whole, like, story of adventure thing 
Like, this is where you... Because you can make the party think that there's, like, will-o'-wisp type stuff out in the woods. Or or you can form all of the balls together to take a vaguely humanoid shape. And so all of a sudden you have these low-level players that think they're going after ghosts and stuff. And you actually just pull that Scooby-Doo shit where it's a level one wizard. Yep. Doing things, and he just like makes people think it's this because of dancing lights. Yep, you know, good old Scooby Doo. And, and with illusion, we also talk about invisibility. All right, we talk about so powerful some of the production stuff, like the invisibility, the, the misdirection. Is, this is where you are the ah oh, your support level for the rogue alone. Just get him. Oh yeah, <laughs> even mirror image is a defense bit where you. I've got all these clones. You know, I've I have in essence bought myself turns um, because the odds of hitting me on the first couple turns are are very very sub fifty percent low. Yeah, that is an illusionist. I can survive to do clever things. All right, this takes us into necromancy. I I think we skipped abjuration. Oh we well, skipped. we started at divination, and we're going to loop because we skipped conjuration okay, and yeah, abjuration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just divination seems like the perfect place to start with yeah, the wizard. Yeah. So now we're under necromancy, which... Um, I mean, you go back to the origins of D&D, it's the, the good paladin versus the evil necromancer. I, like that is That has always been the trope. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you're one of those necromancy is only raising the dead, yeah, again, you're going to give up the school because you're not evil. You know, even though you technically don't have to be evil to raise the dead... Yep. Uh, it is seen by the public as a generically evil act. Oh, yes. Nobody wants grandfather coming out of the grave uh, to do your bidding. So, uh, but it has a lot, I mean, it it does have a lot of utility. With, well, there's, when we when we think about, like, it's... That's where all the fears are. Oh, yep, the fears, like the, the ray of enfeeblement, ray of clumsiness. Yeah, you have all your undead disruption in that. Halt undead, disrupt undead. Yeah, you can be a good necromancer and put the undead back to rest. In in second edition, they had a necromancer archetype. Because everybody, like, there was never an alignment restriction on necromancer in second edition. And they alignment restricted, like, uh, thieves, not rogues, in second edition could not be lawful good. Paladins could only be lawful good. Barbarians could not be lawful. Like there's some of that bleeds over. Like second edition, druids could only be true neutral. So you could make the argument nobody played a druid right in second edition. Uh, but with with this, they had an archetype of a good necromancer as uh, kind of a, a doctor, kind of Johnny Depp in Sleepy Hollow, uh, okay. where you're you're doing research and, and knowledge, uh, where you're uh, you're not just a, I'm not running around casting finger of death on everybody. I, I can weaken adversaries. I can, I can curse adversaries. I can, you know, you've got the the fear spells, uh, and there there are some things you can do that aren't terrible. Now, as you get up in levels, it's hard to avoid them. You're going to the dark side, like magic jar, contagion, um, Ooh, magic jars, yeah, so circle of death, right, uh, undeath to death. Right, which I guess not. Well, undead death wrong. is really. It's a great yeah, undead right. crowd control. I got yeah. That's that's my bad. Um, like finger of death being one of the the undeath to death is the wizard's way. Like this is why you can have no cleric, or you can have just a wizard and no cleric. It's because yep. yes, it's high up there, but you know when you're at the end game against the other necromancer, like yeah, if you don't have the cleric, being able to. Uh, mm-hmm. AOE down the minions <laughs> is really good. Right, you get you get things like clone. When the original dies, the the new one pops out, and, yep. and the role playing uh, fun you can have with that really, uh, you can get into interesting places and, and maybe even a little bit of trouble with that, uh, depending on the DM, because you can uh, like the whole I've replaced the king. Whoops, you know, see, see see what happens there. Uh, Necromancer, it's there's, there's that stigma because then you have some players who it's like, well, I'm not, it's not evil to raise the dead. So I'm going to raise all these dead and have them run my shop. 
Because why would anybody in the city freak out to skeletons running the magic item shop? And I, I this as a DM, I man, you told me that, and I, oh, right, it, it hurt, it hurt my soul because obviously I want to play the archetype necromancer. I want a bunch of minions, but I'm never gonna be that dumb. Yeah, I mean, there's, there is at a, the very least, you gentle repose. You, like you have to have at least workarounds. You oh know? yeah. Right, you can you can do it, but you, the to play a necromancer who's not an evil necromancer, you need to have a greater swath of common sense, right? You need to you need to be able to empathize. Why you know you can't just say I don't know why people wouldn't wouldn't freak out about this, right? That's how Doctor Frankenstein got killed. Yeah, you you need to really see things from other people's perspectives to be able to pull this off and. And plan very cleverly to do things, um, and I think part of it is you you need to have the right party because you need everybody else to appreciate this. Because you know, newer players who are clerics or paladins are just going to mollywomp what you're trying to do because they might not get it. So a, a good way, like even if you think the party in general would be against it, I think a good way to go through it is to not have consistent minions in mm-hmm. that regard. Like, you have a workout where, because I think it takes some time to cast, like, Raise Dead and stuff like that, but or Animate Dead. But, like, if you had, you know, a party that's against you constantly having Undead, but you want it to be a good, versatile, this is how I, you know, this is how I am useful in combat sort of thing. So, working out a way to have, like, you know, almost video game style. I instantly raise them, but they only last for so long. Yep. You know, I think a party can get behind. You're just using every tool available <laughs> to you. You know, if you do it right with it with the right player. Or, yeah, yeah. I I just saying that that's oh, yeah. a way. I think it would be more feasible. <laughs> now let's let's talk about transmuters. And when I think about people who have played transmuters, it's usually never been I'm a straight transmuter. It's usually I'm some warrior type and I'm taking the low-level transmutation stuff as a wizard. I'm dipping the the I gish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, so I've done that. I've also gone and just played uh, like Dr. Jekyll. I've gone yes. and said, yeah, you know what? I mean, even with my gishing... My last one, you know, the spell blade into wizard, or uh, the uh, spell thief into wizard, I was all wizard because I wanted the higher level transmutation because I wanted the ec- the free extra uh, AC and uh, dex and uh, sneak attack die that you get from the, the, the rogue transmutation spell. <laughs> it just made it so much easier. Yeah, I, when I when I think of, of transmutation, you've got your your enlarged person, reduced person. You've got your stat bumps. Um, you get things like feather fall and, and jump. You're you're changing things to to certain degree, right? But you also get into the magic weapon, greater magic weapon, where you can start to, to augment things, and it feels your your two options as a transmuter is you are going to be the ultimate support caster, right? Like if I'm if I'm up there, I can I can do all these things that are going to support the party. Your haste, your fly. Like I can, I can get people to move. Yep. I can I can augment people and make them better. Right. If we get into the later levels, right, your your rock to mud and mud to mud to rock. Yeah. You know, things that are uh, pretty big on that list as to where things can go. Um, and you look at, you know, the way you, you can juice and, and the bonuses and how you transform yourself. Um, yeah, the different in, enhancers that you can do, and then polymorph, you know, which is oh, of course, the granddaddy of all um, transmutation spells. Well, polymorph, baleful polymorph, but well, that that one too. I it's, it's perspectives. I just remember torrent, torrent, turning himself into stuff all the time that would would fluster the DM a little bit. Are you going to go through? I'm going to turn myself into an earth elemental and just glide through the walls. But I think uh, besides being just the ultimate support caster. Um, Transmutation is, whether you're an actual transmuter, you'll never give up the transmutation school because 
that's your item creation money maker. Oh yeah. If you're gonna, you get that's to... where you make the potions because all of the relevant ones are mm-hmm. transmutation. Yep. That's where you, mm-hmm. you know, that's where magic weapon is. That's how you make magical weapons. Yep. Uh, get the juice going. Um, like it's it's from a pure caster. There's so much it does so that you don't want to step away from it. And then there is the the gish. Uh, for people who don't understand what a gish is, it's almost almost Gandalfian, where you have the wizard who's swinging a sword and doing all this stuff because your spells will augment your combat. So I can I can bull strength myself. I can, you know, magic up my weapon, and then I run into combat and cause all kinds of shenanigans. But you don't even. The best part about like you can actually still accomplish that by only being the wizard. You don't have to do the dip into it. You can accomplish this. I mean, because Polymorph is a bit of a gish spell oh, yeah. anyway. You know. Uh, but by, by being the, the pure transmuter, you get it, it's a matter of you think about a, a lot of the really good spells are at the low level, right? Because it's your stack bumps that's your your reduces, your, your weapons and whatnot. Uh, by, by going transmuter, you're adding these things to the book faster. Yeah. Right, in, in that gish scenario because you're trying to the idea is you want to maximize your base attack bonus with the fighter side so you need to maximize the spells you're throwing in the book as quickly as possible which then leads to some great things that the ultimate if you're going to have a wizard who's going to be the ultimate salesman they're going to be a transmuter because in theory they have or can get anything yeah. right? they just have that um, joyful uh, ability. All right. Now this this loops us back around to the abjure. Right. It's one you're never going to get rid of because that's all your defensive stuff. That's your that is your defensive stuff. Right. <laughs> that's, that's your level one where we were talking about man hit points are a problem. Well, AC is not not necessarily that big either. This is this is your mage armor. This is your shield. Mm-hmm. This is your things like alarm. It's even well, it's shield mage armor. It's, it's conjuration. Conjuration, yes. Yeah. But it's you know it's your shield, it's it your whole portal, make, your no, protection spells. Yeah. Right. You know this is where your resistances come in. Yeah. Um, it is it dispel magic is abjuration one of the one of the great you know major spells of. It is it is the protect yourself against other magic magic school. Correct. Like your your remove curse remove curse your stone skin all of the it's the defense against the dark arts. This is this is the defense against the the dark arts. This is the I want to live spell school is your your abjuration. And it's one of those that uh, uh, those spells from from what we think of as all right D&D at its core it's like those aren't the sexy spells. No, right? Like but for, you're never if if somebody told me they gave up abjuration as a specialist, they better also just be going uh, the red mage because they're going to have some dude in front of them to take all the hits. <laughs> yeah. Or else I'm just going to go over there and be like, okay, Poke, start yeah. stabbing them. Right. If, if I hear I gave up abjuration, I expect that player to have YOLO tattooed on their forehead. <laughs> right. That's I don't need abjuration. Okay. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, but I remember I, I took a, a sorcerer instead of a wizard when we were playing Undermountain the one time where I, I did the stalwart sorcerer, but he had an 18 strength, right? And I went in there with the, you can't wear armor. It's like, I don't have to. I can I can defend myself from all this stuff. And then I'm running around like William Wallace um, with with defenses of, of full plate as things got higher in level. And ultimately he only fell because, once again, bad fortitude saves. Yeah. Yeah, turned into a jelly and mushed, but up until that point, right, it, it provided this weird thing because you see a guy running in a battle kilt down the thing, swinging a greatsword, you don't see any armor, and it just it doesn't make sense, right? But abjuration lets you do some of the crazy things you would not otherwise do. Right. In fairness, if that character had gotten up to ninth, 10th level, the way I was playing, it probably wouldn't have had a long lifespan, or I'd have had to get a lot more creative. But abjuration is one of those that... I don't think it gets overlooked. It, and I don't think most people drop it. It's one of those, we know we have to have that in the bank. Right? Yeah. I'm a first level I, wizard. I, think, I, need, uh, I need shield. I think it's the least, probably the least specialized, besides divination itself. Yep. Probably the least specialized. <laughs> Even though, specifically, because, I mean, wizards 
uh, are probably the most built off of, you know, besides your spell choice, it's like your versatility comes from prestige classes being where you go. Yep. And uh, the master specialist mm. uh, for abjurer gives you evasion and metal. Yep. You just, if you save, you take nothing. Yep. And by golly, that's like, I would specialize in abjuration specifically for that if I could, you know, I love the the Jesus Save builds. Yeah, the Jesus and to be save able everybody to else do takes a damage. Jesus Saves build as a straight wizard yep. is enough <laughs> reason to just specialize abjuration. And, and even depending on the campaign, if you're in a, a magic heavy campaign, that might be the best way to go as the abjurer because you yeah. you have the defense against all, the dark arts. You have oh, defense yeah, exactly, against all the spells. Exactly. Now we get to the the one, the last one of the schools, and it's it's arguably my most favorite. God, oh, I, 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 conjuration! It, it I love your beef. I feel this one is overlooked by some people. Not all the time, but like there are some people that'd be like conjuration. I don't know. It also doesn't sound like it has any of the sexy spells. There's, it's one of those where you conjuration, especially once you get into minor creation, major creation, things like that. If you have an imagination, this thing gets really, really strong. Plus, with those later later spells as you get up there, you run into what I called the there were no chefs playtesting this bad boy. Uh, if you if you understand. Cooking and recipes, when you, like, it's, I need a cup of this, I need pinch of, like, all, all that. If you look at any proper chef schools or top-end chefs, you do your ingredients by weight, not volume, because that gets you consistency. And if you look at what you're allowed to conjure, it's usually by volume, which is where situations come in. It's like, I can make something that's, that fits in a 10 by 10 by 10 square. Right. Oh, look, or you know, or, or like a sphere I'm that they to make it antimatter. It's like, I can, I can <laughs> do thing. Well, there's some of the higher level ones let you do that. Yeah. We, you're being chased down this tunnel. It's like you know what, you know, okay, like if I if I could drop like a, you know a ten foot by ten foot by ten sponge on somebody, that's one thing. But if we're coming up the well and they're coming up behind us, well, now I'm just going to do a giant ten by ten by ten stone and just. Right, lead you know, or exactly right. The, the common materials it's just like catch because now we start to play the density game, which they didn't take into account because it's, you know, if I'm dropping a, an empty wooden sphere versus even an empty stone sphere on you, there's going to be a dramatically different effect, right? I can I can throw up walls in the way. Um, I get orb spells as a conjurer, where it's like, all right, this is my chance. I can fire. I can electric. I can I can. Uh, even get to some of the things like like force and sonic, albeit with smaller damage dice. But I can start doing these things where, you know, built as a wizard, I can put any of these in my toolbox. And once again, that's where scribing the scrolls comes in handy because, like, all right, I can pull any of these out. I love how we're talking about this so far, and we're we're starting out into the creative. I think for most of this, we were looking for the cookie cutter. <laughs> I think the most cookie cutter conjurer is. I summoned the bear, the the badgers, and the, all right. that stuff. Like that's the cookie cutter, and we started out strong with. We're optimizing the creative oh, yeah, gameplay. Yeah. You, I can, I can. Every other one, we said, "What's the option? What's yes. the cookie cutter? Not this one." Oh, I have too much, cookie too much cutter for is this. Boring. <laughs> that's right. I summoned the guy to come cause issues. Right. I've got the Mel's acid arrow, so I have my my range touch that does uh, is damage over time. Right. It's, 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 First, again, the importance of no spell resistance because you're bringing the physical object to there as yes. real acid. <laughs> it's not. It's not fake evocation acid. That's right. Hi, Mister Drow. How you doing? Right. Yeah. Catch. Ugh. You know, and and with conjuration, it's one of those things that your orbs and your your uh, acid arrows, in addition to dodging spell resistance, have the other advantage in that. Their range touches. You're yeah. taking saving throws off the table. Yep. Right. It's it's. You don't give them a chance to get out of it. If you connect, you win. Uh, and, and that's powerful. And very specifically, the touch portion of it means that on most characters, that's a dra- dramatically lower AC to hit. Oh yeah. 
which is super relevant when you have, you know, not that big of a base attack bonus yourself, but, you know. Yep. Oh, look, there's a, there's a great worm dragon. I guess what? Touch AC8. I take it. Yeah. Right. I, I think this goes back to uh, the E6 stuff when we were, I think I was going to do it as a sorcerer, but just the idea of, because most of the rays are range touch. And yep. I think a few of the rays... Uh, might fall under well no Elsaf's an arrow I don't think any of the actual rays fall yeah. under the scorching ray was evocation and then all the rest are necromancy type the you know, the enfeeblement and stuff but um a, again just that range touch where you already have that advantage and the fact that with the specialization you being small so taking a halfling for this kind of thing um and I thought there was another word. Oh, yeah, just the plus one bonus for halflings to all ranged attacks. Yep. It's like you are making sure you're hitting everything with that ranged. You're, you're, uh, you're on don't roll a one at a very low level. Yeah, level one. Out the gate, you're hitting everything. <laughs> and, this is, and this is just talking about, like, we've talked about being creative. We've talked about the damage. But then you have things like, like the area control, like Grease, yeah. Everett's Tentacles, right? <gasps> You can you can summon a mount or phantom pulled, mount to cover. I pulled grease in Red Hand Doom. That's right. God bless. Late the game, not even not even in the setup because you only brought me in after the place was being sieged. Yes, we're and we're I, on the, the final lap at that point. And here I am casting grease in the room before the final bad guy. Literally the room before TMS. And it, <laughs> And it worked out so like it was one of those. If I whoop. didn't die in the first round of Tiamat, I would have cast Grease on her too. That yeah, that would have been that would have been something. I God bless it. At uh, one hit point, I had one hit point after she after she did her thing. That Constitution, man. God, that's that Constitution. That's we're going to have another discussion on why gnomes and dwarves are just better than everybody I mean, else. But that's gotta, later on. I'm thinking now we're going to have to extend this so you want to play to races later. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we're going we're doing the classes now, but we're definitely going to get to the uh, the races. Uh, but as you get to like with the conjuration, as you move up with the bigger summons and and then just the the control where you're. Uh, you know, you're getting into like the, the tiny hut and the magnificent mansion, so you have oh. these extra dimensional things. It's it lets you do a lot of a lot of very tactical and yet grandiose things at the same time, um, to to such a degree that it's you know, I, like I said, I get a lot of fun out of it. My my conjurer beef was a dwarven conjurer that went into the underdark, so it was basically all right, Drow, um, here it comes. Um, and because once again, just the conjuration, in, especially in three five, dodging spell resistance is so utterly powerful that I I have to throw this one war story in here because it's it's one of my favorites. It broke the DM, especially when he found out how these things played out near the end of the Underdark bit. You're getting uh, at the end of the the Forgotten Realms Underdark book module from three five. You're going through the Underdark where you have two different. Um, factions of chaotic evil drow fighting against each other. You have Loth's people, and then the ones worshiping this other deity that that think that Loth is too compassionate. Yeah. Right. So you you get to the end, and we're one of the random encounters you could run into. And I, I think I discussed this a little bit in throwaway sessions, episode eleven, where um, you had the Baylors who are showing up, and I'm trying to burn. Uh, it's a seventh level conjuration spell that was I think it's out of. Compendium. The Spell Compendium, where it has all of this stuff, but they get a saving throw against it. But what always happens is if you connect, they're stunned for one round. So you take away an action, and you get them to drop what they have. Well, these Baylors have the, the magic longsword, and they have the big, like the Vorpal magic yeah, longsword. Yeah, yeah. I want one. And every time I try to stun him, like Chris, our, our Goliath archer, big, super, like huge bow shooting tree trunks, right? Gargantua bow shooting tree trunks. Well, just you hit him, and then he drops his stuff as he dies, and then he explodes and deals 100 damage to everything. End up in a Coliseum fight um, in the second last session because one player couldn't be there, and the DM is like, we should not finish this without everybody at the table. I completely agree. Uh, once again, we fight a Baylor. Chris kills it right away. I take 100 in the face. I'm not happy. But once again, Dwarf and Wizard survived. Uh, we go through some other small demigods that were in here, and then Orcus shows up, the, the aspect of Orcus. And he's got that wand. And I hit him with this spell because 
no spell resistance, so I don't need to beat the 40-something that it takes to get him. And so I guess he's going to make the saving throw, but he drops the wand. And so my character gets the wand of Orcus, which was huge. Well, one, literally huge. And two, unbeknownst to me, like in 3-5, nearly all of his powers were tied to the wand. Like I knew that from first edition. So when, when he drops that, it's like, all right, you get claw, claw, bite, baby. Good luck. And so the, the conjurer is able to, to do things where it's like, all right, I can hit you where my lesser effects will bias around to do something. And it's usually a very impactful thing because if I get you to do that, we close the distance. You are welcome to pick, bend down and pick up your weapon while everybody just gets to ginsu you with a free attack. So I, I have a special place in my heart for the conjurer because whereas, whereas my evoker built the castle and was if he hadn't died would have built the aircraft carrier the from avengers because I, I priced it out and figured out how to do it uh, but my conjurer stole the weapon of a deity and my dms like well do you think you're going to use that it's like no i'm going to mount it over my bar because i am awesome and it's brain leaked out his ears uh, so conjuration for me is always a the, the special one because that just the the phrase that you know no, you don't get a saving throw, is the phrase every wizard likes to say. So we we talked about, about wizards, and we talked really into the, the spell schools. It's, and, it's more, more of the schools, but I mean, wizards yeah. are defined by the schools with specialization. Yeah, You're, Where you archetype yourself and, and the direction you go can really lean into specialization. And even a generalist wizard is is one that has that, that juice from being the, you know, I can do... Or I can cast literally anything, right? Right, and with enough with enough research, and enough spell books, I can I can cast literally anything. And I think if we, we look back, it's like all right, you know, the the curve of survivability to greatness is is there. It's I need to get past the first few levels to survive, and then I be awesome. I start a long first line of awesome. First few to survive, I would say up once you get past. Seven, like you want to hit seven, to not be stupid. Yep, you get your fourth level spells, and you you start getting out of the stereotypical, yeah point, and and then you can except for freak accidents, yes, and or uh, a terrible table, yeah, it's like you either, are going to take that to an arc man. Like you, you really at that point you can get to four, as long as you're not stupid. And God help me, following Drew into the jaws of death, I was stupid. Oh. I saved his life, and that was worse. That oh God, I saved yeah. his character. I, I regret that. I regret saving his character. But it it's like without that, it's like you're not you're going to survive. Like when I was when I was beef, I didn't have a Drew at the table, and I knew very very quickly to to not let people do stupid things. Like in one situation. I'm trying to negotiate with giants. They're like, no, we should fight these guys and get XP. And I threw a wall of stone between the party and the giants. So I had time to talk. And we ended up getting more support out of, out of doing that. Right? Yeah. You, you play smartly. You're, you expand your capabilities dramatically as a wizard. I mean, it gives you that kind of opportunity. Plus, scribing scrolls. Like, you literally you build your character. Right? You have everything you need at any given point. Of course. And once again, item crafting feats and meta magic feats. You you have a wide variety of options in three five. I realize in in fifth edition they move the meta magics over to the sorcerer, which yeah. which I get it from a flavor standpoint since you no longer have to prepare spells as a wizard in fifth. I mean that that Correct. Is, the, was the hardest part in in three five, which is why the scribe scroll was so important. Is you had to pick what you memorized for the day. Which is why it's like, I have all these spells. I know the ones that I'm not going to use all the time will be what I scribe. So yeah. that I have that toolbox in case of it. And then I have my core spells that are going to be, alright, this is what I'm doing on a daily basis. Yeah. So as we we think about that and what you could do, do we have any parting thoughts on the wizard? Um, love them. I, of the arcane classes, probably my favorite. And uh, is... Again, probably the only of the core four yes. that I think is actually necessary to be at a table. It, because it can fill most of those other roles. Right. With the lone exception of the, the heal bot. But 
you you play. You can work around that. You can. I I, I conjured. You, you can trade, did work around you that. You can trade favors to uh, for potions of healing. Yeah, scrolls and potions. We can make this thing work. Uh, like I I am I always have a special place in my heart. Like if if given the opportunity, I love playing the wizards. I'm big intelligence uh, class based characters. All right, so this was episode 13 of the Exodus of Magic podcast and the So You Want to Be series. This was So You Want to Be a Wizard, where we, we looked at wizards and the basic archetypes and focused more on, on how how these wizards run archetype-wise through the spells they get to cast, uh, whether they're generalists or, or specialists, and what each, each school of magic flavors them up to do. And in, in future episodes, I think the next... So you want to be as we're going to cover, we're going to round out the core four with the cleric and the rogue. And, and <laughs> yes, and, and when we talk about the cleric, uh, there's going to be more than just, uh, you know, as much as everybody thinks it's the heal bot, clerics I think are so much more than oh that. Oh my God, I will, if I could, I would never take a healing spell in my life on a cleric. God bless it. God bless <laughs> it. Not even, I mean, aside from the you can just trade out spells, I would yeah. never... <laughs> Those are when the clerics Never get to be it. fun. It's like the wizard who can't cast fireball because I do other things that are so much more fun. Okay. Alright, so this was episode 13, Dungeon Master Eddie here with Jeff. I will come at you again later and thank you and good night. Bye.